I was honored to be welcomed into Summer's home for an Orange Sox interview about her son Aries. Summer found out that Aries had anencephaly during an early ultrasound and learned that if he made it to term and was born, would only live a few hours at best. Rather than aborting Aries, Summer decided to have him. She wanted to meet and hold him, and if possible, have Aries be an organ donor so other babies could benefit from his life. Very much comforted by her faith, Summer has been able to put this experience into a grander perspective, and even though Aries lived a handful of hours and passed away just two months ago, she sees the positive outcome of his life on herself and her family. Summer, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me to talk about your son Aries, who had anencephaly. Tell me, when did you find out that he had anencephaly? It was at our 20-week appointment on January 31st, <laughs> to be exact. And we just found out at my appointment where I was alone. I had just brought my other two children. We had plans to go to the Bounce House afterward and to make a day out of our trip down the valley to go to our doctor's appointment. And there it was, I was sitting alone not sure what to do or think or say and the doctor came in after my ultrasound tech did a very thorough check of the baby and she said i'm just gonna go get the doctor and see what he thinks and she was very positive and sweet and i remember her saying firstly that this baby's organs are just so strong like she couldn't get over his his organ from the get-go and I thought that was so interesting later on when he ended up being a donor because that was just like such a focus of hers and then she kept going through you know his neck and the his cranial area and I was didn't think anything of it because I don't read that stuff I don't read x-rays or anything on the regular but I remember thinking she's being really thorough and because I have a nephew has Down syndrome my brain went there I was like okay I bet maybe my baby has Down syndrome, you know? And I don't think I would have thought that had I not had it in my family. But with how thorough she was being, that was my immediate thought. Like, oh, maybe maybe he has Down syndrome. And I was like, sweet, you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing. He's been such a blessing. And so I just let her go get the doctor and the doctor came in and his eyes were full of tears. And he said, you know what? I think you need to go see our, you know, our specialty neonatologist. And um, it looks like your baby might have a severe brain defect, missing a severe portion of his brain. And I fell apart, you know, what do you do when you're alone? My husband wasn't there. I said, you're not coming because I don't want to know the gender. <laughs> and I know you'll spot any boy parts and I didn't want him to. So I said, you're not allowed to come. He's like, fine, I won't come. It's my third baby, so whatever. So yeah, there I was alone and it was pretty traumatizing. I didn't go to a single appointment alone after that throughout this pregnancy, you know? But um, yeah, that's the way we found out. And luckily they called my husband immediately and said, looks like we have a, a little problem. We need you to get here. And he was in his car, I'm on my way. And he drove probably faster than he should have to get there. But yeah, um, it was definitely a day to remember. That's why I remember the date and the time and everything. Hmm. So you went to the specialist. Mm -hmm. And what did the specialist tell you? Yeah, we immediately drove over there saw the specialist doctors and the doctor said, he said, I didn't even need you to come. I saw from the images that were sent over to me, definitely what the diagnosis was. I don't have a doubt in my mind what it was, but you know, it's protocol to right. have us come there. 
when we're sitting there with him, he said, I want you to come back in my office and let's discuss your options. And my husband, Aldis, was just trying to figure out what we could, what can we do to fix it? You know, such a man, like, how do we fix this? You know, and I love that about him. He's very, very handy. But <laughs> just sitting there like, okay, what surgery needs to be done? How can we build him a brain? It's 2017, like, mm -hmm. let's do this, you know? The doctor said, I'm sorry, there's nothing that can be done. There's nothing, this is what's gonna happen. He's not gonna make it regardless of how long you keep him. Mm. You know, in utero or whether he say, we can admit you today. We can admit you today and get this over with. I hate to say it in those words, but it's kind of the way they put it. Not trying to be insensitive at all, but you know, there are many women in our same situation who have chosen to just go through with the birth, put themselves into labor and be done with this awful process, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was so emotional and so was Aldis. We were both just didn't even know what to do. But I remember, I don't even feel like I was speaking for myself because without even thinking, I just said, no, we'll carry full term. Because, you know, he, he said, you can either carry full term, you can go home and think about it. He said, or I can take you in right now. And so I just remember not even having to think about it. I knew right away, like, we're going to do this. We're going to go full term. In that same interview with this doctor, I should say, because there were a lot of questions going on. He did say, or I did say, what about organ donation? Is that an option? And when I say I didn't even think it was me speaking, I mean, what kind of a mom who's falling apart can even talk about that, you know, within minutes of finding out. And so I just think it's interesting that from the beginning, this was what Aries wanted. He wanted to be a donor. He wanted to give what he could in his little life. And our pregnancy with him definitely gave us more enlightenment into who he is. And that is who he was. He wanted to give all he could in his short amount of time. Interesting. So you obviously you opted for life and you carried him yes. full term. Was the pregnancy typical? Miserable. It was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable. No, and I wouldn't have had it any other way now that it's over. Uh -huh. I mean, it was from the get-go before I found out anything. I just was so sick. So this was different than your other two pregnancies? Oh, so different. Really? My other two, I mean, I'm five nine. I am uh -huh. built to have babies. Like uh -huh. I was like ready, you know? And with this third one, he just did not want me to forget. Uh -huh. I am like so sure that that was why, because it was awful. I was uh -huh. on the couch just letting my kids, you know, play all over me because I couldn't get on the floor and play with them. I was so sick from the beginning. And that lasted probably until 26 weeks. And then at the 20, Six twenty-seven week mark, I was overproducing amniotic fluid, mm -hmm. which is very um, common with anencephalic babies. They can't, you know, swallow as much. And mm -hmm. so they're just producing and producing and producing fluid. And so by the end of my pregnancy, I delivered at 38 weeks and I was measuring for someone who's 44 weeks pregnant, oh. which is, you know, someone who's usually carrying multiples. Yeah. And I could feel him flipping and punching and tossing and turning up until the very end. He had just so much room and he was a big, big boy. Mm. So that just says like how big I was. Right. So it was just, it was a different pregnancy, but it was amazing that it was that way because I had to really test my body and I had to lay around a lot. I was put on bed rest mm. to keep him in at the end. And it taught me a lot about being patient, you know, with what your body is capable of and are not capable of. And so we had a lot of opportunities to bond with him through that miserable pregnancy though so i wouldn't have it any other way so he was born 
he was born. Do you want to describe that experience? Oh my goodness. It, it's indescribable. Like it was literally like being in heaven. And I, I can't thank the staff and the family that was around me and the organ donor services and the doctors. I mean, it was like having heaven's workers working with you. I was working with angels for mm. months mm. because I was working with these doctors for so long because I had the time and I wanted everything to be perfect. I mean, what 28 year old do you know who's interviewing mortuaries? Like who's right. going to take care of my baby the best? You know, what doctor is going to, you know, whatever. And so because we had all the time, we just took advantage and we made sure that it was the best experience it could have been. And even with all the preparation we did, it just came together. Yeah, like I can't even say it's because we prepared. It was just the way it was supposed to be. Mm. And so the day of his birth was just literally a piece of heaven. He was born via C-section. We opted that way to hopefully ensure that we had a little more time with him, mm -hmm. didn't stress him out through the canal. And I never had a C-section before, so I wasn't sure what to expect, but I just remember I was very relaxed. I was ready. I, I was ready to meet him, you know? Mm -hmm. I didn't want the pregnancy to be over. There's a lot of anxiety in the days leading up. But every day in that last like week or so that got closer, I was just more excited. I was like, I get to meet him, you know? And I felt like I knew him mm -hmm. so well. I had all this time to get to know him. I was sitting on my couch, you know, alone day after day on bed rest, mm -hmm. getting to know him. And for me to be able to go through that pregnancy and get to know someone who I feel like I know as an adult, like I don't feel like I know him as a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, I have two babies at home. Mm -hmm. And his needs were different. His needs were to give what he could in this life and to teach us something, which he definitely did. Hmm. And so I would say that with that being the way we looked at him and viewed him as this warrior, this boy who was here to fight for his life in the short amount of time he could and to show us that I'm okay. I'll be okay on the other side and I wanna give other people a chance hmm. at life. And so he was able to donate. Hmm and he was able to teach us and our families about you know something that we never could and it was just amazing we had both of our families all in there so they were there and you knew that you had a short time yes with him and um how long did he live before he passed away he lived six and a half hours six and a half hours and five and a half of those were not intubated. So we chose to intubate him immediately um, in hopes of organ donation and how that would, you know, help with what he had, you know. So we said, we'll pull the intubating tube, which was an awful decision to have to make. But we, we knew, we knew he was supposed to donate. And so we thought we'll let him decide, you know, and we pulled the tube after an hour so that we had for sure that one hour that we could to like love on him and kiss on him. And we excused our families. Sorry. Because we knew that he was gonna pass and we thought it was gonna be quick. We thought he would pass really quick because he hadn't been swallowing on his own. And so we just kind of thought the worst, you know. And so after an hour and a half, and we had a 90 minute window where he could be a kidney donor. And in that 90 minutes, he didn't pass. He stuck around. And so he missed the kidney window. And I could tell the donor nurses were kind of sad for me because they knew I wanted him to be able to give that to someone. 
and I was just like, no, no, this is amazing. Like he's holding out, we're holding him, we're loving him. And one by one, our family members, my three sisters, my parents, Eldisa's sister, Eldisa's parents, everyone filed in one by one. Everyone said, just one more kiss. You know, I just want to touch him one more time. And by the time everyone had filed in, we were all there. And he took his last breath after fighting for five and a half hours by himself. And it was so beautiful. Like it was just, it was like being with your family in heaven. It was like everyone was there to wish him goodbye. And all these jokes that he's like you, he didn't want anyone to miss out on the party. He wanted everyone in there when he left. And it was just so beautiful that he did that for us because we all needed that. We all needed that time with him because our families are so close to us. And this was just as difficult on them as it was on us, you know? And so to have us all in there, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better day. It was, it was literally the best day of my life. Wow. And he was able to donate? He was able to donate lungs, pancreas, corneas, and heart valves. Wow. And that's a lot for a newborn baby. Yeah. People think that they can donate everything and save all these babies, but really they're their little organs are so tiny, there's only so much they can actually donate to another baby. Right. So his heart valves will go directly to another baby and the rest to research. Interesting. And I've learned a lot about the organ donation field through all of this and I know that um, a lot of times research organs sit on the shelf for a little while and they don't use them until they're needed, you know, but his was needed right away. He had no shelf life on his organ, so I just, it's like he just knew. He knew that he needed to stick around because we needed that time with him. He knew that his organs were needed and he knew when to go. And come to find out his kidney vessels were in a completely different spot. There's something about the neurotube developing when the kidney vessels develop. And because his neurotube didn't develop correctly, the vessels were in a weird spot to where he wouldn't have even been able to donate well, his kidneys. he couldn't kidneys. have donated anyway. No, he couldn't have anyways. Interesting. So what a disappointment would that have been to us if we had lost him sooner right. and he wasn't able to help someone in that. It's just he knew. He knew what was going on. Interesting. And so it's just, it worked out exactly the way it was supposed to. How has this experience affected you personally, your husband, your relationship, and as well as your extended family members? Well, with that, I mean, it's definitely in the biggest picture of looking at it all now, it's affected us all for the better. It's changed our lives. He's changed our lives, so many lives. I mean, people who have stayed close to his story, family members who have reached out and gotten to know him through you know, our little stories. I mean, it's changed a lot of lives. But the grieving process is real. And if I could say anything to any other parent who's going through something similar to our situation, the grieving process is, they call it the five stages of grief for a reason. You go through them all. You go through anger, you go through sadness, you go through all of that. And we had to go through that. And in the beginning, we found out and it was kind of like, what do we do from here? We took our days to just process. And once we processed, it was like, I remember in that first day, my sister came to see me that night with her family, my sister Oakley, and she sat on the floor and she was just crying. And I and I had cried all day and I was comforting her. 
And I remember thinking, it's gonna be okay. And so I had like my armor on, like I was ready to fight this fight, like I was ready. And then the following days came and it was dark. It was dark. I was angry. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to my baby? Why is this happening to me? I'm not strong enough for this. Mm -hmm. I would even catch myself saying, I didn't sign up for this. And Eldis would say, I bet you did. Mm. I bet you did. And so did he. And so did I. We all did. Mm -hmm. This is something that we signed up for. And I believe that more than anything. We said, we'll do this. We'll have this experience. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I want mm. my baby here. I want to be waking up in the night with him. I want to be exhausted from having a newborn. But I know that's not how it's supposed to be. And so I would not have this situation any other way. And the way it has affected my little family and taught my four-year-old and two-year-old about death and the afterlife, I've had to teach them and have conversations with them. I would never have with them had this not happened. Mm. And their insight is so beyond their years and it's so spiritual and it is so beautiful. And the things that they have said as babies themselves, it's just heaven is so close to them. And for them to be able to comfort us when we need comforting, I mean, it's the most beautiful feeling. So it has affected our family and our extended family in such a beautiful way now. But I do want it to be known that you're allowed to go through those stages. And yesterday, I had a bad day. Yesterday, I had a really sad down day. He passed how long ago? Today, he would be two months. So, two months two ago. Two months ago. So it's seven. still... It's still fresh. Still fresh. You read my mind about advice you'd give to other parents, but you knew early on that you were carrying a baby that wouldn't live very long. Mm -hmm. You put yourself through a pregnancy. You had a difficult pregnancy. Right. You knew what was happening. Your family knew what was happening. You could have ended it a lot earlier. You had that choice and no one would have thrown rocks at you had you have done no, that. No, no. But you chose a different course. He was born. He lived a short while. Mm -hmm. Was it worth it? I would do it over and over and over again. It was a difficult nine months, but those days in the hospital, the following days in the hospital would make it worth it in itself. Like say I didn't have those six hours. Mm -hmm. Say he was born still. I was walking around the halls with my baby. I was taking him on walks. I was holding him nonstop. I was bonding with him, changing his clothes, putting lotion on him. Like, and some people might think that's weird and creepy. And I did think a few times, I bet the nurses think I'm loony because <laughs> here I am pushing my baby through the halls. But I bonded with that baby inside and outside. And I continue to bond with him spiritually. Mm -hmm. And writing down my thoughts, documenting everything I can because I don't want to forget. And I don't want my children to forget. Mm -hmm. I don't want my husband to forget. You know, life gets busy and it's still so fresh and I hope that it never doesn't feel fresh, you know? Like, as sad and hard as it is, I wouldn't want to not feel this way. I want to feel sad over his loss. Sure. But I also want to feel happy over the gain of the angel I have following me all the time. Like, I want to go through life teaching my children that we're so lucky to have this angel. Because mm -hmm. that's what he is. He's a sure. warrior angel. You know, he seriously, he fought in the pre-existence, I have no doubt, and fought for what was good. And I know that because of that, he took on this trial. And I'm proud to be his mom. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud. And so I would do it over and over and over again. Awesome. 
any final thoughts? I just want to say that our angel baby, our little um, motto with him is that he was a warrior in heaven and an angel on earth. Mm. And he is for sure our angel. And if anyone gets the opportunity to have an angel that, you know, maybe passes or lives with a disability, it is worth the sacrifice. It is worth the heartache because you will have way more loving, beautiful, happy days than you will have dark ones. Awesome. Thank you.